Welcome to the Leadership Playbook. My name is Emily Hawkins. How I used to introduce myself is, I have 15 years in supply chain, creating and leading teams, streamlining processes, managing millions of dollars. Except that's not what I do anymore. I'm a career and life coach. And I wanna take you on the journey of how to lead yourself, how to take your career to the next level, whatever that may be. I'm gonna give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do. Lead and love your life. I cannot wait to get into today's topic. So you may or may not know this, and I feel like I need to explain this, but I do a theme every single week. So if you follow me on social media, I post at least once a day on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And then I also write one to three blog posts, depending on how the week plays out, how meaty the topic is. And then I do what we're doing now. I record a podcast. All of these things are related. I stay with the same theme. And what I do is I throw a different flavor or nugget at you, depending on where you get the content from. So if you were to follow me on social media, you are going to get little nuggets. I try to keep my posts short and sweet. If you go into my blogs, it's actually taking some of that information and expanding on it and giving you some takeaways, some action items, some bullet pointed lists. I'm a big fan of bullet points. And then here, what I want to do is expand because you're hearing me talk about it. So I'm not writing it. The other versions are obviously writing. And I feel like there's such a special thing in talking. And I love writing. It's much harder for me than talking. So typically, I do my writing first to get my ideas out, get my thoughts a little bit organized, and then I come in and record this. And I say come in. I'm literally in a closet in my house. It's not fancy. (laughs) But the acoustics are way better in a closet. So if you ever think about doing your own podcast, find a small closet in your house. It works great. So today, without further ado, I want to tell you what I want to talk about. So this week's theme is all about crap. Yeah, that's exactly what it's all about, crap. I'm saying that if you have children in your car or listening and you don't like that word, maybe listen to this later because I'm going to use it a lot. What I really want to talk about on this podcast are the crappy jobs that I have had and how they taught me so much. So you've had a crappy job. We've all had crappy jobs, right? And I want to start with my first job when I turned 16 years old and tell you about this amazingness that was cleaning toilets in a public bathroom. Yes, my friends, I did that. And let me just tell you that it was not just any public bathroom. It was the public bathroom of a toy store. Ooh, that is a special kind of nasty. And because of that job, I learned, first of all, how to really clean a bathroom and get it super deodorized and smelling great and clean, which has served me well as a parent. But it also gave me respect, respect for public places in general. Before this job, I was, you know, 15 and younger, so I can't really say that I had much respect for anything because I really didn't understand much about life. 
But I can tell you that after this job, when I walk into a public space, it could be a park, it could be a restroom, it could be, you know, anything public related, I will clean it up. I cannot help it, but I will. (laughs) And the reason is, is because I know that there is a person just like I was at 16 on the other end of that, having to clean that mess up. And honestly, somebody else shouldn't be cleaning up your messes. You should be cleaning up your own messes. And that's also helped me with my children. Now, are they great cleaner uppers? No, they are four and seven. And it is a constant, I'm a broken record, clean up your mess clean up your mess, take your plate after dinner and scrape it and put it in the sink over and over and over again. But my hope is that they too will embrace what they see for me, which is I always clean up after myself. And when I'm in public, I even clean up after others because I feel like we should all be doing that. I know that seems like a very strange thing to take away and maybe something you already knew, I'm telling you, if you've ever cleaned a public restroom, the things you think about are just (laughs) crazy. But anyway, it also made me decide to go to college. I'm not saying college is for everyone, but I was making at that point $5.15 an hour to clean a toilet. Oh my goodness, I needed a college degree. or a marketable skill. So that that was definitely not for me. The other thing I did at this place, this toy store, in the back of the toy store, we had birthday parties. Yeah, little kid birthday parties. The parties ranged from, I think the youngest we did, we may have done three-year-olds. I'm pretty sure it was like three to like eight or so. After that, it was a little bit too young. But the majority of parties I did were like four and five-year-olds. I learned a very strange lesson here. So first of all, I learned I didn't want to have children at a young age. It was a great form of birth control. I also learned that one kid can turn all the other kids against you because it happened to me a lot. But I figured out why. What I figured out from this was The energy that you bring in a room is the energy that gets consumed and multiplies. So if I went to work and I was up late and I mainly our parties were on Saturday mornings and as a high school kid, getting up before noon was like death to me. So of course the toy store opened before <laughs> before noon. I think it opened at 9, which oh my goodness felt like the middle of the night to me. <laughs> so sometimes I was tired. And especially those like first birthday parties that were at like 9:30 or 10 a.m., the room would turn on me, right? Because I brought into that room that I didn't want to be there. The difference is when I was pepped up, when I knew after work I was going out with my friends, I was going to go to a movie, I was going to do something fun, I would bring it to these parties and I would have so much fun with them. There was this one party that we would do. It was a dress-up party. So the toy store itself, it was a high-end toy store, sold clothes, like dress-up clothes. And one of the parties was a dress-up party. And it was, I mean, every item you can think of. Princess dresses, sequins, hats, boas, uh, fun shoes. It was so fun. And what I did, and I learned this from another party hostess. This was not my idea, but it was so fun. 
I would turn off the lights so all the kids would get dressed up. And by the way, we did have stuff for boys so they could dress up as well. And they could dress up in the boa stuff too. It didn't matter. But we did have like superhero capes and um, Peter Pan outfits and all sorts of sorts of stuff. It was so fun. Anyway, the reason this was so fun is because I realized when I got into it, the kids got into it and they were excited and the parents were excited because they felt like they'd made a good investment. So for these dress up parties, after everybody had gotten dressed up in their little outfit, I would turn all the lights off in the room and we had this spotlight and I would turn on fun music and I would do a spotlight on each person. So I would get their names at the beginning of the party, and then it would be like, Connor is wearing this this season. He's looking great and blah, blah, blah. And I would just free flow. You know, whatever I was thinking, whatever they looked like, if the mom told me the daughter loved Ariel, then I would be like, oh, she's so fashionable, giving Ariel a run for her money. Anyway, what I realized was the more energy I brought to that party, the more people loved it. And the parents would come up after and say, you made my daughter's birthday. Thank you so much. And that made me want to do it more. So it was like my positive energy created positive energy in the room, which then came back to me. Why is this a gift? Why is this something we should do every day? Think about those days when it's raining and you have to go to work. (laughs) which is like a lot of days, especially this winter. I don't know what that was about. I almost built an arc. But think about those days. It's raining outside, a little bit colder, and traffic is awful, and you get to work, and you're just like, ugh. Well, if you see people of any kind, whether you're customer-facing or not, you have coworkers, and that energy spreads like wildfire. So if you bring, uh, then everyone you're around gets affected by, uh, and then your whole office is, uh, and who wants to be that? Nobody wants to be that. Um, I think you would prefer everybody to be peppy and excited and happy. So what I used to do before I walked into these birthday parties is I would say to myself, it's Caitlin's third birthday. This is the only third birthday she will ever have. She may not remember this birthday, but her parents always will. How can I make this special for her? In an office setting, I would sit in my car and I would say to myself, what energy do I want to bring in the building today? And at one point, I was going through a divorce when I was in corporate America. And let me just tell you, my heart was not in a good place. But when I walked in that building, I always told myself, leave that at the door. Make everyone you come in contact with feel better than when they first started talking to you. That was fun. It almost became a challenge for me. Like, hey, let's make that person happy. Let's make these people happy. Let's bring joy today. And I literally learned that when I was 16, hosting birthday parties, and I did not have children until I was 30 years old because of those birthday parties. So there's another little blessing. Now I'm going to flash forward to my first crappy job out of college, because it's not like a crappy job ends just because you get a college degree. I do not want anyone to think that a college degree or an MBA means your job will be crapless. It will still have crap. You will still be eating crap sandwiches, but they're different crap sandwiches. So the crap sandwich that I ate right out of college was 
I worked for a company that actually installed, it was Bell South, and they installed obviously like towers and wires and everything so people could make phone calls because back then not every single person had a cell phone. You know those guys that come out in the bucket trucks and they're fixing the lines? Well, in those trucks are, I can't even begin to tell you how much equipment. It's ridiculous. They have everything in the whole wide world that anyone could ever need fixing a telephone pole, wiring, inside your house, whatever it might be. These people are hoarders. Now, how do I know they're hoarders? Because my first job out of college was to rein in inventory associated with that. So I was having to go around to these work centers and not only tell the work centers themselves, because those trucks start at a work center, hey, you need to take down your inventory. But I was also having to talk to linemen and say, get this crap out of your truck. I told you I was going to say that word a lot today. And this is how I did that. I showed up in a business, not a business suit, but business pants, high heels. And it was very, very business related. I wore, it was very tasteful. But guess what that did to these linemen and the people that worked these work centers? It made them turn me off immediately. I wasn't on their level. And they looked at me like I was from outer space. And I didn't know what they were talking about. I didn't know what they were about. So after doing a few of these visits, I realized, actually, I was with another person who said, why don't you wear jeans? And at that point, this was like early 2000s, that seemed, I I shouldn't wear jeans. But yeah, I should have worn jeans, and that's exactly what I did. I started wearing jeans and hiking boots, and it made all the difference. And the questions I asked were about the work they were doing, funny stories, being on the line. Tell me the craziest thing you ever had happen to you. Tell me about your craziest customer. How did that relate to inventory? Zero. It did not relate to inventory. What it related to was gaining trust with these people. They saw me as somebody from corporate. And when you see a corporate person, you think you're going to get fired in those types of jobs. And I, I, didn't, I wasn't there to fire people. I was there to rein in inventory. But I learned so much about never acting or dressing better than other people. Now, I'm not saying don't dress for the job you want. Definitely do that. But if you are dressed nicely, that does not mean you are better than anyone else. And you make sure that the lowest level person in any room that you walk into, show them respect and show them that they matter, that there is significance there. It goes a long way. It's just being a human being. So that taught me a lot of humanity. And by the way, we brought down inventory ridiculously. It was a couple million dollars. And it was actually a really fun project, even knowing it was kind of crappy. So that experience actually led me into the cell phone world. I decided I was ready to do something different, and I moved over to a cell phone company. At this point, there were a million accessories. So accessories, think back to car chargers. I know a lot of us still have car chargers, but now you just have a charger and it fits everything. It's just very different. We, not me, but 
the company had decided that we needed a ridiculous amount of fashionable cases, our inventory was out of control. And I was actually hired to bring it into, well, in a good place. And it was, I can't say that it was overstocked or understocked because all over the nation, it was wrong. So some stores had too much, other stores had too little, they had the wrong mix of inventory. And I was brought in to manage all of this. Now, I don't know if you know of what a skew is. Stock keeping unit. So what it means is basically, it's like the barcode. I'll just simplify it with, it's a barcode. I was managing over 300 different SKUs. And I was in a group of people that were all managing cell phones. And each of them were managing five to seven cell phones. <laughs> so I'm laughing because these guys, it was a group of all men. I was the first woman in the group. These guys would really just agonize over this one phone. What's it going to do this week? How's it going to do? Da-da-da-da-da. I didn't have that luxury. I was managing 250 to 300 different SKUs. I couldn't fixate on one and worry about what one was doing. I had to kind of look at the movement in general. So I started pairing things up like items together to be able to say, what, what's moving? What's the trend? Are car chargers overall going up? Are, you know, these types of items, the earbuds, and then, oh, this, there's a big sale on this cell phone. So I know all the accessories associated with it are going to uptick this week. But I would look at everything as a group, right? The items that went with a cell phone. I've probably gotten way too deep with this. But I'm telling you this because think about this. Think about how crappy this is when you really don't know what you're doing. And there was a system behind the scenes. But I'm telling you, this system needed work. It needed to understand what normal patterns were because it was basing its it's forecasting off of bad information. So it was garbage in and garbage out. So I had to streamline all of this. And so the best way for me to do that, instead of doing what the guys were doing, going line by line and saying, what are my items doing? Which by the way, they should have been doing that because they only had seven items. I couldn't do that. I had to group things together. And let me just tell you that I brought inventory in line in about six months. I won the key contributor award that year and I blew the forecasts away from the other guys, which was hilarious. There was a contest every week to see who could have the highest forecast accuracy. And I was typically number one or number two every week. Instead of me looking at the trees, I decided to look at the forest. And it really helped me understand strategy overall. So as crappy as that job was, it was so fun because I learned so much. And honestly, it was a great position to be in because I really couldn't fail. It was failing when I got there. It really couldn't have gotten worse. It could only get better. And I was promoted. It, it really taught me so much about being a self-starter. I got great training, but there wasn't really a lot of people. Or there weren't a lot of people around to share with me, well, this is what you should do because nobody had ever managed it before. So at the age of 24 or 25, goodness, I was young, I was managing millions of dollars nationally and created this amazing program. It was awesome. But don't 
forget the forest for the trees. Think about what it is you are trying to do. Overall, what is your mission? What is your vision? The trees that you're so fixated on, are they really serving the customers, the clients, the business, the vision? I have a feeling that you're doing some things that don't matter. So step back from those things and look at the bigger picture and say to yourself, where do I want to go? Did you love what you heard today and you want more? Sign up for my weekly email in the show notes. You can also follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn by simply typing in Emily Hawkins, the number four, the letter U. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, it's at ehawkins28. I'll see you here next week.